All right, church, we, um, we started this series last week, and we we're talking about and why we do the things we do in church, because we do some things here that you don't do in other places, and, uh, and sometimes we just expect you to catch on um, without ever explaining it. So I think it's really important uh, as we kind of talked about the church and how we've grown and, um, and, and how different we are than we were even a year ago. We want to, but before we do that, I'm going to ask you for two favors. If you have a Bible, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. It's going to be at the tail end of the message, but I'm going to read a good chunk of chapter 2, and so that'll be super helpful for you. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. Our digital notes um, uh, typically have most of the text, although I don't know if they have the whole chapter of Ephesians. Well, you can find them. Um, So I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word. We're going to ask you uh, to grab some notes and to follow along, and uh, let's pray together. Father, um, man, you are so, so good. And God, um, we we come before you. We want to pause our hearts. We want to kind of pause this rhythm. Uh, we've been in going one thing to the next, and we just want to soak this in. Uh, Father, we, we recognize that your word is alive and that it's active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Uh, we know that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And, and we just say, God, we need all that. Holy Spirit, um, every week we try to step back and literally recognize you are the teacher of this church. And so come and take your place and fill our pulpit and teach your people about Jesus that we might see him clearly. And we ask that in Jesus' holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen. Um, so guys, man, if, if we're going to talk about why we pray, um, w- which is a message in itself, and then I could probably have a message on what prayer is. I could have a separate message on how to do it. Uh, but that's this series about the why. So I'm trying to keep it to the why. Um, but, but if I'm going to talk about why we pray, we, we do have to have some kind of working definition of what prayer is. So, so very quickly, most basic definition I could give you of prayer. We'll just start with that on the screen. But, but, but kind of here's what I'm talking about. When I'm going to talk about why we pray, uh, that word pray or, or, or prayer, what it is, it, basically it's just this. It's just personal communication with God. That's what prayer is. So when I say, why, why do we do that? Why would we um, communicate personally with God? What, what is the point of that, right? And, and, and so prayer is just personal communication with God. It's this act of, of trust and dependence. We're going to kind of dig into that this morning. Um, so with, with that kind of as our working definition of what it is, I want to talk to you about why we do it. And I've got three reasons. Really, I have like five, but I put three of them into the first point. So it's fine. It's fine. It's just a three-point sermon, not a five-point sermon. It makes me feel better about myself, okay? So, uh, so here we go. Three reasons that we pray. Uh, here's the first. I know it's long, but, but it all 100% works together. Guys, we pray to God because he's our father and provider. We pray to God because he's our father and provider uh, whose ways are better than ours, right? And, and who wants us to call on him and depend on him. Like that's, that's all linked together. We, we, we pray to God because he's our father and our provider. His ways are better than our ways. And he literally says, hey, pray to me. So that, that's, that's, that's kind of the first reason we do it, for all those reasons. He's our Father, uh, His ways are better, and, and He wants us to depend on Him. And so I, I just want to kind of dig um, into that. And, and first and foremost, if you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear this. Ready? Y'all look at me. Eyes up here. God, what He says, okay? This is what He says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, whenever you pray, you mustn't be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners just to be seen by people. But truly, I tell you, they they have their reward. But when you pray, you go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus is is kind of talking about some of of the the what to do, 
um, which, which again isn't the point of this sermon, but I, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to miss these two statements. The, the beginning of the first sentence, he says, whenever you pray, and, 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 then, and then he says again there in the third sentence, but when you pray. Whenever you pray, and he says, when you pray. Do not miss, and Jesus talking about how they're supposed to do it, don't miss the expectation is that they will do it. Like, like when you do it, let me tell you how. He expects his people to pray. And of course, Jesus expects us to pray because he knows that God's our Father, right? And, and, and that he wants to, to talk to us. He, he wants to hear from his children, from his creation. Uh, he wants us to trust and depend on him. Wayne Grudem um, is this guy that, we, we just call him a systematic theologian. It just means that he has studied the Bible from cover to cover, the full counsel of God's Word. And he has these big ideas that would stretch from Genesis to Revelation about God. And here's what he says about, um, about us trusting God. I think it applies to prayer. He says, God delights in being trusted by His creatures. Like, God delights in that. With that thought in your mind, just, just think about Think about what Solomon says in Proverbs, right? So Grudem says, God delights in being trusted by his creatures. Uh, Solomon writes this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't rely on your own understanding. Rather, in all your ways, know him or acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Trust in the Lord in everything you do. You know that's what prayer is? Y'all, prayer is going, hey God, I, I think I know what I want to do. But man, you know so much better than me. God, show me what you want me to do. Show me what's best. I believe in you. I trust you. And, and y'all, God delights in that kind of life. That person that's willing to say, God, I, I am limited. God, I'm not sure. God, I don't know. But I know that you know. So I'm coming to you. I'm relying on you. I'm depending on you to show me what I am supposed to do. And that brings great delight unto God because we, His children, are coming to Him going, God, show me what is best. And we do this for that reason. Because God knows what's best. The Bible says that God is so much bigger and better than we are, y'all. Um, God is describing this to His prophet Isaiah. Listen to what he writes, Isaiah 55. He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration declaration for as heaven is higher than earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts prayer is this dependence upon a God who is higher than we are holier than we are knows better than we do and it literally is us talking to him going hey God um, you know everything and I don't and I just I want what's best I want what's best. If you want what's best, you need to pray to God. Okay? So that's the first reason we pray. Second reason we pray, guys, is because uh, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. It just does. <laughs> prayer changes things. Same guy, Wayne Grudem, makes a really bold statement about prayer. I mean, so bold, it, it, it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. It makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest. I want to put a modifier on it like sometimes. But this is what Wayne Grudem says about prayer. He says, prayer changes the way God acts, period. No modifier. 
He doesn't say sometimes. He doesn't say occasionally. He, doesn't, like he just says prayer changes the way God. makes me so uncomfortable. I'm just going to be honest. I, I really want to say, well, sometimes it does. But, but, but the reason he says that with confidence is because what the Bible says. Just because of Scripture, the book of James, James 4, 2 says this. It says, you desire and you don't have. You, you murder, you covet, you can't obtain. You fight, you wage war. You don't have, ready, because you do not ask. Literally, God's Word says that if you would ask, things would be different. There are certain things that we don't have. There are certain things that haven't worked out for us. There are certain situations that haven't been fixed. There are certain emotions or feelings that haven't been calmed. There are things either in your life or in yourself that have not changed because you have not asked. What? Prayer changes things. Right? Jesus talked about this, by the way. Matthew 7, same Sermon on the Mount. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks on the door will be opened. Right? And again, we're saying prayer changes things. Sometimes we don't have... Because we haven't asked, we haven't sought, we haven't knocked. Okay? Prayer changes things. There's a, there's a beautiful picture of this principle uh, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God's children are going to war against the Amalekites. So they're going to go to war against the Amalekites. So Moses is like, hey, Joshua... You go fight, which is awesome. Like, you got, you got to have somebody that's going to go fight. Like, Joshua, you, you lead them out, you go fight. And he's like, I am going to go up on the mountain, uh, and I'm going to go up with Aaron and with her. And, and so what Moses does on the mountain is he's going to intercede for his people. Okay, so, so remember Old Testament, the way it worked, like God typically spoke to a person, not to every person. So Moses is, is that, that intercessor, so he goes up on the mountain. Now, now, if you get into this text, you're going to be like, well, pastor, the word pray doesn't appear there. No, it doesn't. It is implied. He is interceding for the people. And the way that this battle works is when Moses is interceding for the people, there is success, and when he is not, there is defeat. All right, and here, here's, here's the quote, Exodus 17, 11. Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought against Amalek. And while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, while Moses' hands uh, were held up, while he held up his hands, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hands down, Amalek prevailed. Intercession changed the outcome. Prayer changes things which makes me want to ask you a question may I ask who's praying for you who's on your prayer team and if you don't have somebody you need to get somebody find somebody in your life dependable that's a prayer warrior and be like hey will you pray for me I'm blessed I got a handful of people I can use some more but I got a handful of people they're like pastor I just want you to know I pray for you daily and I think what they're saying in that is like I know you're an idiot Right? I do. I, I mean, I love, I say it all the time, but I, I'm so appreciative because I'm like, you get me, you know. I, if it were not by the grace of God, I am a wreck. So man, pray for me. It matters. When somebody interceded for Israel, there was victory. And when nobody was, there was defeat. Prayer changes things, right? James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. Powerful. 
in its effect. Very powerful. I, I heard it this way, and I've taught it this way for, for ages, uh, that, that, listen, God always answers the prayers of his children. God always answers the prayers of his children. Now, some of you are like, uh-uh, we'll get to it. But he always answers the prayers of his children. Now, that answer is either yes, it's no, which some of you don't like. You think that's God not answering you. No is an answer, right? My, no. You have school. Not until you get to middle school, you start to travel, then you may have one, and I will lock that sucker down. Right? Okay? So there's no, and then there's later. Later. Um, you know, my, my illustration for that is when your kids are young and they get up in the middle of the night, Daddy, can I have some ice cream? Sometimes you're tired and your answer is no. Go back to bed. Sometimes your answer is Sweetie, you can have ice cream first thing in the morning if you will just leave me alone. You can have it for breakfast. I don't even care. And sometimes in that moment, you're like, well, I'm already awake. And you know what? I kind of want ice cream too. Let's eat ice cream. It's 1 a.m., sitting on the couch. Just got the spoon, and you just leave it there, and you pass out together, and it is great. God's that way with prayer sometimes. Now, some of you say, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think that statement's accurate, Pastor. When you say God always answers the prayer of his children because I've been praying and I don't feel like I'm hearing from the Lord. Well, there, there are some, some root causes for, for us not hearing from the Lord. And so I just want to share those with you. I, I, I used to almost carry this in my Bible as like a cheat sheet when I was in youth ministry. And so I, just, I, I always keep these three things at the forefront of my mind because people are always like, hey, pastor, I'm not hearing from the Lord. So here's three reasons why you may not be hearing from the Lord. I'll put them on the screen. They're not in your notes, so you might want to add these. But, but, but number one is, is my, my first question to him is, do you know him? Right? Do you know him? Because what prayer is, is it's direct communication with God. And that doesn't happen until you know him. And we're going to talk about in the third point. But Jesus does something for us that allows us to have this direct personal communication with the Lord. And so the very first prayer that God hears from us is a prayer of what we call repentance, where we say, um, God, I'm a wreck, I need you to save me and come into my life. And, and, and Jesus is available to all. Uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you become a child of God, then you have access to the Father. You're His kid. He's your dad. You get to get up at one in the morning and say, hey God, can I have some ice cream? Right? That, but that, has, that starts by being adopted into His family. And so there are many people throughout the world that say that they believe in a God, but they have never trusted uh, Jesus as Savior. So they pray to some general God or being or power that they believe in. Nothing happens. They wonder why nothing happens. And it goes back to this. They're not children of God yet, so they don't even have access to God as their Father yet. So we've got to start there. It's a good question to ask. I'm not trying to freak you out, but you should ask that question. It's the most important question you could answer in your life. Do I know God? Have I accepted Jesus? Okay, and if you haven't, do it. Just say, man, God, I, I, I need Jesus. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I want to be a child of God today. He will answer that prayer in a moment. Okay? So that's first. Second, I, I always ask people, well, are you listening to him? They're like, well, I'm praying. Well, that's you talking. Are you listening? And, and listen, people that have been following Jesus for years struggle with this. They, they read their Bible, and then they close, and they're like, dear God, I'm, I'm going to ask for this. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for this. Amen. And they're just gone. So, so let's just start with there's never a pause. 
There's never any silence. There's never even any opportunity for the Holy Spirit in that moment of prayer to speak to you. So there's a bunch of ways that God speaks to you. Ready? Number one, through His Spirit. I don't know how to explain it. Okay? The Holy Spirit's never been an audible voice for me. When I was driving, He's like, Jason! Like, never happened. But it has been a voice in my head. In my heart, in my spirit. I don't know how to explain it. Like, deep conviction moments where I was like, man, i got to do this right now. Uh, that, that's happened on multiple occasions. Just, just this presence of the Lord in moments where I was praying, where I was listening. Where, and, and so you've got to have those moments. So don't just say amen and leave. Say amen and sit. Right? So, so God speaks to us through His Spirit. Uh, he also speaks to us through His Word. Two primary methods. Through His Spirit, through His Word. Okay? So, so we read the Bible. It is the Word of God. And so you're praying like, God, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of struggling with, uh, with this person in my life. And, and you know, I, I just have these feelings of anger. And, and you know, I'm saying some things. And you like read your Word. You, know, you, you open the Word and you're reading it. Right? It says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And you're like, Dad, come at Okay, I got you. It's a me problem, not a them problem. Right? Or it says, love your enemies. And you go, oh, I, I, uh, yeah, okay. And so God speaks to us through his word. So that, that may be the answer to your person. To, to, one, are you listening? Are, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to God's word? God also speaks to us through, through godly counsel, through his saints, through other, other people. And so that could be the pastor that's on the stage. It would be your teacher. It would be your small group leader. There's people that love Jesus in your life will speak into your life and they'll go, hey, love you. Um, you should probably stop that. That's not the best habit. People are watching you and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Thank you for that. I was praying about that, actually. Yeah, you just spoke to me. All right, last, last thing. Um, wait, okay, hold on. We did Holy Spirit. We did Word. We did Saints. Circumstance. So there is one other way, circumstances. Um, by the way, that should be fourth on the list. I love you guys. Most of you think that's number one. <clears throat> Not number one. Holy Spirit, Word of God, number one. Okay? So um, circumstances are last on the list. Because we are all like, ooh, what's in the tea leaves for me? Right? I'm just pray- God, I'm just putting it out there into the universe. Would you please do something? And then we're reading everything that happened. I wonder if that's a sign. I wonder, could that be a sign? I don't know. Did you, did you listen to the Holy Spirit? Have you read the Word? Have you sought out godly counsel? Like circumstances should be last. I love you. Okay, there you go. I've said my piece. I'm off the box, okay? So box over. Should be number four. Last, last reason. This is a big one that we don't hear from the Lord. Is Do we have any unconfessed sin or are we holding a grudge? It sounds like a weird thing. I always ask it, okay? So sin separates you from God. Okay, before Jesus, sin keeps you from a relationship with God, so you only have a relationship. But even after you accept Christ, sin cannot break your relationship, but it can destroy your fellowship, okay? Um, how many of you have a relationship, and it, it could literally be husband, wife, kids, whatever, brothers, sisters, you have some kind of relationship where you love somebody. This should be every hand in the room, right? Yeah, even my like heavy, heavy introverts are like, well, I love somebody, um, so something happens in the relationship, and has you ever had something happen, and it drives a wedge between you, okay? So, so like, listen, you have a relationship with a person, but something has occurred, and, and your closeness is broken because of what's occurred. How many have been there, right? Yes, right? You said what to your wife? Oh, you idiot, right? I mean, that happens. It has those moments. You're like, that didn't go well. Um, you bought her what for her birthday? Thank you. Um, that was me. I bought her a mop. Okay, it's a long story. We'll talk about it later. 
It was a vacuum mop. It was so cool. Um, it was the thing she complained about the most in life in that season. Dumb, I should have just bought that and that not been a gift. Be like, hey, I was thinking about this. Gave it to her as a birthday gift. I'm awesome. Um, so, uh, whoo, um, you learn from your mistakes. Uh, yeah, it's a little wedge there, a little fellowship. So sin, it, it, after we're a Christian, it, it can't break our relationship with God, but it, it can drive a wedge between our fellowship and intimacy. And so sometimes we're not hearing from God because we have unconfessed sin. And, and then there's this whole grudge thing which always throws everybody off. What do you mean grudge, Pastor? The Bible says that if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. And so I love you, but if you're holding a grudge in your heart against someone else and then you're wondering why God is not talking to you, it's because your sin is piling up because of your refusal to forgive others. I believe it 100%. 100%. I, 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 I've been doing it for a bit, y'all. And so many people I've met be like, I just feel like I'm not hearing from the Lord. I, 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 I just feel so distant. I feel so far away. I'm like, are you? We go through this whole list. We get to, are you holding a grudge? Well, I've been mad at somebody for like three years. I'm like, oh, dang. How long has it been since you've felt distant from the Lord? I don't know, maybe. Like, I don't know, like three years? I'm like, ah. Oh. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. It's this felt separation um, and so, y'all, like, God always answers prayer, okay? So if you're not hearing from, th- these are the reasons. Last, last reason we should pray. Um, i got to wrap things up. Last reason we should pray, okay? Reason number three. Uh, we pray to God because thanks to Jesus, we can. <laughs> we pray to God because thanks to Jesus, we can. And, and, and so I said I was going to read you guys from the book of Ephesians. If you ever wanted a picture of what, what life was like before we were followers of Jesus and then what Jesus has done for us, read Ephesians chapter 2, okay? Read Ephesians chapter 2 because here's, here's the truth. And we say pray to, pray to God because thanks to Jesus we can. There was a time in humanity that all people did not have access to God. Only certain people had access to God. Okay, in, in the Old Testament, God, God would speak to like a person. He would speak to a leader. And then that leader had to speak to the people. The people did not have direct access to God. And, and, and that all changes in what Jesus does for us through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection. And, and so now, now where there was a priest, now there's, there were all priests uh, is, what, is what Jesus does for us. So we all now have access into the presence of God, which is crazy, crazy good. So, so here's what I want to do. I'm in Ephesians 2. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read verse 1 through 3, then 11 through 12. This is, this is what life was like before Jesus. Okay? So we'll go before Jesus, then I'll, I'll read some different verses, and that'll be after Jesus, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. So here we go. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says this, and, and you were... Dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working and the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature under wrath, as the others were also. And then I'm going to skip uh, to verse 11 and 12. It says, So then remember... That at one time, you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those that call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of promise. You're without hope, and you're without God in the world. Okay, that's, that's kind of who we were before. 
But now listen to what Jesus does for the same, same, same book. Now I'm going to read verse 4 through 10, uh, and then we'll read 13 uh, through, I'm going to say 17, based on the chicken scratch I see here. Uh, let's start with 4. Verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love that He had for us, He made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with Him, and He seated us in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might display the immeasurable riches of His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of its commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Verse 17, he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. And then we read this, verse 18 and 19 on the screens. For through him... We both now have access in one spirit to the Father. You should highlight that phrase in your Bible. You should underline that phrase. You say, what has Jesus done for me? All that Ephesians 2. You were dead. You were far away. You were way down. He brought you near. He raised you up. He seated you with Christ. He made you alive in Christ. Right? All of those things. And in doing so, He gave you access to the Father. Christ Jesus gave us access to the Father. We became children of God because of our faith in Jesus. And, and where we were once far away, where we were once excluded, where once somebody had to talk to God on our behalf, where we had to go to a person and go, could you pray for me? Could you do this for me? Could you tell me what God says? Jesus said, no, anyone who believes in me will become a child of God and they will have personal access to the Father. No longer foreigners and strangers, but citizens with the saints and members of God's household. We become God's kids. It's huge. It is huge. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5, 1 and 2. He says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is again. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we now stand. What is that grace? We are now children of God. We have access to the Father. The author of Hebrews, same thought, puts it this way. He says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, remember there was a time that only, only the high priest could, could go back in that holy of holies into the presence of God. But now because of Jesus, we can all go there. says, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Not only do we have access, y'all, 
but we have access to the throne. And what is the name of the throne? It is the throne of judgment. Is it the throne of condemnation? Is it the throne of fear and trembling and shivering? Is that how you approach your father? Just thinking you're about to get beat down? What's the throne called? Look at it. Pay attention. The throne of grace. That's why we approach boldly. That is how God feels about you. You're always, people always wonder, God, how does God really feel about me? It's called the throne of grace. That's how he feels. Come here, babe. Come here. What is wrong? Man, I love you. You're right. That was a dumb decision. <laughs> You're right. We can do better next time, but I love you. You are mine. Come on, let's go. Let's get this right. Let me help you. Right? Is the throne of grace. And thanks to Jesus, we have access to that. Here, here's, here's the deal. The majority of Christians, if you were to ask them the area of their spiritual life that needs help, do you know that their answer is prayer? You know that? I bet the majority of people in this room, I said, hey, like, what? you're like, oh no, I just started reading the Bible. I may read the Bible somewhere. Like, But my prayer life is not deep. It's not awesome. Most people, they struggle in the area of prayer. And here's, here's what I want like, it's, 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 it's not because they don't know how to pray, or it's it just they don't pray. And, and here's what I could equate that to. Imagine with me for a second that you are trapped on a desert island, right? Shipwrecked, okay? You are on a desert island. Um, you know what happens when you're on a desert island? You have no hope. You start trying to figure stuff out. So you're trying to figure out how to get your way off. That's where you start. She's like, well, I'll burn a fire if you can make fire. So you're trying, I need food to eat. I need fresh water to drink. So you're kind of figuring it out all your own. But then at night you go to bed and you know what you're thinking? You're thinking, man, I miss my loved ones so much. I bet every night you're just trying to think about all the people. If I could just hear the voice one more time, I'd be okay. Right? So I want you to imagine you're on that island and then one day this waterproof case washes up on shore. And inside of that waterproof case, you find a fully charged satellite phone. How many of you would then go back to your little shack and just set it on the shelf and keep trying to figure out how to get off the island on your own? How many of you would go back to your little shack every night in complete loneliness and just think, I wish I could hear the voice of my loved ones? Is that what you do? With a satellite phone fully charged sitting on the shelf, is that how you would respond? And the answer, of course, is no. That's idiotic. The very first thing I would do is turn it on. Oh my gosh, it's on. I have a signal. I'm calling home, right? And he'd be like, I don't know where I am. I'm somewhere. Find somebody. Trace this signal. Get me off this thing. Can't wait to see you. Let's go. You're asking for help. You're asking for salvation. You're immediately calling the people you love. And yet we have that exact access in Jesus. And we just leave that phone on the shelf in our little shack, in our isolation, and we wonder what's wrong. Somebody says, Pastor, why should I pray? And my biggest answer is because thanks to Jesus, you can. Don't forsake the access that Christ has provided. Run to the throne of grace. Boldly talk to God. All right? So I'm going to give you some application and let you go. It's past time. Here we go. Three things we'll let you out of here. Number one, I want to challenge you this week to set a reminder on your phone or your watch uh, to pray three times a day. So we did this when we were doing gratitude journals. So uh, morning, noon, and night. 
Just set a reminder three times a day. Hey, Siri, remind me three times a day uh, to pray. I want you to remind me and pick your time, six and noon and, you know, whatever. I'm some, you know your schedule better than I do. But set a reminder to pray. All right? So we're talking about why, why do we pray? Because we, we can't. Because it changes things. Because it matters. Right? Because God's our Father. He wants us to pray. He expects us to pray. So set a reminder. Number two, uh, focus your prayers each day on a different topic. It's part of our struggle when it comes to praying. Sometimes get, people get bored of prayer because we we're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to ask for. So God, I'm just going to ask for the same thing every single day. Whew. Maybe pray for some different stuff. So, so be intentional. Make yourself a list tonight. Give yourself seven different things to pray for. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Hey, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for my family on this day. I'm going to pray for my church on this day. I'm going to pray for my coworkers on this day or, or my fellow classmates on this day. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for the city on this day, our nation on this day. I'm going to pray for lost people on this day. And just, just have some kind of focus that you're going to pray for every day. And so I want to challenge you to focus on different things. And lastly, um, guys, I want you to take advantage of the incredible access you have to God. And, and, and when I say take advantage, I, I'm going to challenge you this week in all of those areas you come up with to try to pray some really bold prayers, okay? Not, not just the little, like, little G God prayer. Like, if you were praying to, like a, like, a Stonehenge figure, I think you'd be like, I don't know, dude, what could you do? You're praying to the God of the universe, all-powerful, right? Who says, you don't have because you don't ask. So you're like, all right, Lord, I'm praying for revival in the United States of America. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that leaders wouldn't act like they know Jesus, but they would fall on their face before Jesus Christ, and it would wreck them, and it would change everything. That's what I'm going to pray for. And Lord, if it's not going to start there, then let it start right here. And we'll go from the ground up until we replace all those suckers. Let's go. Right? And we start praying bold prayers. Lord, I'm praying you save my whole family. Like, I don't want you to save one member. I want you to save all of them. Then I want you to save the distant coven. Then I want you to save the third cousin. And I, I want revive. Like, like, we start praying stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, I don't want you to do a small work in me. I want you to transform me. I, I want to be so fixed on you and your glory that, that everything I do, I'm doing that praying without ceasing thing. And I'm just going, God, your will be done. God, show me. God, guide me. I'm I'm going I'm to rest in you. I'm going to live in you. I'm not going to act selfish. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love my enemies. We just start playing these transformative prayers. Pray big prayers. Guys, here's the best way I could think of prayer. It's a baseball analogy, but it's a full count. It's a full count, and you've got a choice. Full count, that pitcher's not going to walk you because the run's going to come in. It's full count. It's going to be over the plate. There's just one question before you. You're going to swing, or are you going to take the pitch? Right? I, I don't know about you, but if the game is on the line, and if I know that prayer can change things, at the very least, I'm going to swing. Right? Just take the swing. Pray this week. Focus on the why. Just see what God does. All right? I'm going to pray for us. Miss Catherine's got a few announcements. God, thanks for loving us. Uh, Lord, thank you for allowing us to hear your word this morning. I know we've covered a lot. It's a lot of ground. We didn't even get into the model prayer, uh, which I want to encourage folks to go read that in Matthew 6. Uh, Jesus, after, after you know, uh, that expectation of prayer, he gives us a, a model on how to do it. So, uh, Lord, help us, help us figure out how, how we're to pray. But God, just the why. Lord, make our hearts want to pray. Make our hearts want to pray. God, make us a house of prayer. We ask that in Jesus' holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen.